Hi, loves. Welcome to the AW Confidential Podcast. Today, I want to discuss a topic that's dear to my heart. You guys know that I really care about mental mental health. Um, I have discussed it over my Instagram. I've suffered from depression, and it's really important that we have these conversations. We've dealt with COVID, a pandemic, um, and there's all kinds of things going on in the world. If you just watch um, the news for a minute, that alone will make you just anxious, um, stressed out. It's really scary right now. We're living in a bit of a crazy world. And I really want to talk about mental health in this episode. We throw around that word um, all the time. But sometimes I wonder, do we really know what it means? And this is the topic that I want to explore today because I feel that it's something that should be a priority for all of us. Um, Our parents, depending on where you came from, and our grandparents didn't really have these conversations. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of the generations past suffered from some type of mental illness. I know in my family, it's rampant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's taboo. It's one of those, you know, conversations that we're not supposed to have. Um, so with the help of Miss Veronica Olivares, she is a psychotherapist. And she is here to help us deconstruct the, I'd say, I want to say mysticism, because <laughs> it's just mental health. It's, it really is a Um, it's a tricky topic. And um, I want to sort of just open that Pandora's box and talk about it openly and honestly. Hi, Veronica. How are you today? Hi, I am great. I am so excited to be here with you, Yvette. Thank you so much. I mean, this topic is just so important. Um, And it's something that it's, you know, sometimes even I have a hard time talking about my depression, um, which comes and goes. Um, luckily, I have learned um, to manage it. And I know sort of when that dark cloud is coming over me and I do the things that help me get out of that, I, I call it a vortex or a cave, because that's literally what it feels like when I'm in it. So you are a psychotherapist. So for anyone that doesn't know what that means, what exactly does a psychotherapist do, first of all? So um, a psychotherapist provides therapeutic services and therapy is a very broad term. You know, you're going to be providing interventions and strategies that are going to help people psychologically, emotionally, and also in their like societal well-being. So it's really helping people to kind of harmonize between the ways they think, they feel, and they act and behave in the world, right? So like there are certain ways that are socially acceptable to behave in society, respecting each other, respecting ourselves. And so um, we kind of go under that umbrella of making sure that everyone is, you know, thinking their best, feeling their best and behaving in their best, you know, ways when it comes to relating to others. Um, And also just helping people handle stress, 
helping people make decisions. You know, these are all things that kind of fall under the umbrella of therapy. And then there's like, it gets a little bit more complex under that because psychotherapists vary in their modalities. Um, there's so many different kinds of interventions. There's different approaches. Um, some people do like cognitive behavioral therapy. Some people work somatically, which is a lot of like mind body movement work. So there is like such a wide range. And that's why I think it feels a little bit like complex when we talk about it. But essentially a psychotherapist really does kind of help you to see some of the own blockages and resistances that you have to your growth and development. So they're kind of like an accountability partner. They're able to kind of see, obviously are trained to also understand some of like your developmental blocks and help you to kind of understand and overcome them. I love that. That was so well put because you simplified it. Because if you look at, you know, the whole topic, yeah. it really does become overwhelming. Yes. Like I was reading something today and, you know, there's something called a psychoanalyst, which is something that's different from a psychotherapist. Yeah. So, so, so psychotherapist could be a psychoanalyst. That's why it's confusing. Uh, yes. Because a psychotherapist is more of like a broad term. And then a psychoanalysis is uh, like a modality. So when you think about like the people that sit on the couch and like, you know, they'll talk about their dreams or like they'll kind of free associate like the, the Freudian kind of vibe that falls under the family of psychoanalysts. And so psychoanalysts, um, in my opinion, and I did psychoanalysis training really kind of gears more towards a long-term therapy. So that's really more for like the privileged um, people that can be in therapy for like many, many years. Um, usually can also have some kind of um, like a like a character disorder or like a personality disorder that really needs to be tended to and taken care of. Um, and so, yeah, that that's like a specific form of a psychotherapist. That's why it's complicated. <laughs> well, no, you you really helped with your uh, the way you broke it down. So one of the things that we've talked about is that we use this term mental health yeah but what and it it's hard to simplify because there's so much involved but is. what is mental health is it you know just i don't know take going to you know if you have depression or you have stress and you go and you speak to someone what falls under mental mental health i think that um you can look at it and maybe kind of juxtapose it next to mental illness so, you know, mental health is really going to be, like I stated before, an, a harmony between how you're thinking, how you're feeling and how you're acting. Right. You can say that you want to treat people really great, but you could be behaving outside of that. Right. So then that can kind of be a, a kind of like a signal to be like, I need help. Like, I know that I want to be a better person, but I'm really acting out all the time towards the people that I love. Um, when you're thinking about mental illness, this is going to be more of um, this this approach and lens from a clinical perspective. So if you are clinically depressed, many times this can look like you're not able to do the things that you can normally do in your regular life. So, you know, you're not, you know, taking care of your hygiene. You're not um, getting being able to get to work. You're not able to get out of your house. And so if this happens for a specific period of time, then you are going to be considered kind of like what they say clinical depression but i'm a very much 
I'm a little bit of a rebel in the, you know, psychology field. I'm very much um, not 100% fond of like diagnosis and, you know, looking at these kinds of clinical terms. I'm much more um, holistic approach and a spiritual approach. And I do believe that mental health has like a cap where we really think about like how we're thinking and maybe that, you know, how that's impacted by the brain. But I, I also believe in like energy and understanding that our maximum potential in life is to express ourselves at the highest vibration and level that we can. And that to me is like having mental health. That to me is having, you know, being able to really express our energy in the maximum way that we're meant to be here in our purpose, on our paths, um, towards whatever destiny we're here to fulfill. So I'm a little bit, I kind of step out a little bit. I'm a little bit more like holistic and speak from the soul and a spiritual space. Um, but I do think that the mental health community is starting to be much more open about connecting the mind with the body and understanding that we are like a whole connection. We're not like a robot of mechanical parts, right? You can't separate the brain from your gut, from, you know, from your heart, from your body. And so we're moving in a new direction also. So typically in the traditional sense, it's very much like how you think, how you feel, how you behave. And that's what we take care of. But that's a lot. Just in that, <laughs> right? That's a lot. That's a lot. So that becomes broken down based on whatever goals you want to accomplish with your therapist. So why for me and it, and it's hard for me because i i know some of the answers to to this question only because of personal experience but i want you to share with the listeners for you know for anyone that might be having issues at home or issues at work or just you know feeling a certain way but why is it so critical to pay attention to our mental health? Because I think there's still so many people that think it's either, I don't want to say woo woo, but it's like, you know, it, it's, you're being overdramatic. You're being, you know, there's, there's so many names or there's such a stigma attached to it still, I think. Absolutely. And I want you to share with us why is it important? And I believe it's critical. It's part of our, it's just as important as our physical. Well, I, I always say some of my most like popular posts that I've shared are sharing how mental health impacts everything. So I had like a whole post that was like, what you eat impacts your mental health, what you're paying attention to, what you consume, your family dynamics, your friendships, your environment, right? Yep, everything. everything, everything impacts our mental health. And I think why we're becoming so much more in tune and having to become more aware is because if you think about like our ancestors, right, they were, you know, in, in my understanding, in my study, they were much more present, right? Like they were able to kind of be connected to nature. We were connected to our food in a different way. We, we didn't have technology and all these distractions. Our life was very much more simple, right? And so we were like very in tune and we were connected to the seasons. We understood like eating in the appropriate season was important for us, right? We are now getting catapulted into having to pay attention to mental health, in my opinion, in my study, in my research and understanding, 
because we are so far away from the being in the present moment. We are being much more distracted now. We are very out of tune. We are much more disconnected from nature. We have a really hard time being present. And one of the things that takes us away from being present is trauma. So when we have a traumatic situation experience, our bodies almost like they jolt out of place, right? And so a lot of our life, depending on how much trauma you've experienced is like really always in that kind of like fight or flight, fawn, escape mode, that kind of um, battle. And so a lot of what we're noticing now is that because we've become so much more distant, there's so much more distractions, there's social media, um, we are not connected to nature in the same way. We, in at least in New York, New Jersey area, you have access to all kinds of food from all kinds of places. And so we're, we're not in tune with the rhythms and the cycles that we've usually been in tune with. And so I do believe that we're kind of getting a call, more like a yell, like a scream, to come back to ourselves and to understand the importance of stillness the importance of cycles and seasons and that there is a time to work and get things done, but there's also a time to like retreat and rest. Um, and I think, you know, really that is why it is such a priority right now because we have so many things that are in our face that are keeping us away from being with ourselves. And um, essentially, when we lack that awareness of ourselves, we're very like off, we're very off kilter. You know, if I don't know myself and if I don't know where I, you know, end and you begin, that's when a lot of problems arise. We have, you know, codependency, we have toxic relationships, we have a lot of these things happening. So that's my kind of like really short, simplified answer for like a very complex question. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it, it definitely, it, it may, it, it, it simplified it. I think there's just so much, there's so much to this topic. Yeah. But um, one of the things that I need to mention is I read an article the other day and we're talking about, you know, the effects that we're having by all these external factors. I read that there's been a really serious increase in anxiety and depression. Oh, yeah. It's like up like 40% at least. That's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. And it is concerning because it's not only affecting, you know, the, the older adults, it's, it's affecting our kids. Yep. yep. And I think, you know, when it becomes an issue in their behavior, whether they're, you know, in middle school or grammar school, high school, it's something that we really need to pay attention to it's critical a hundred percent they're our future a hundred percent yes so as i'm a mother as a mother as a partner as you know a parent a friend um how what flags should be we be looking for mm -hmm. you know as far as maybe you know concerns behaviors or that we need to sort of pay attention to because I think and we've talked about this I think it's easy for us in the craziness of the of the life that we live and all the distractions I really think it's easy to miss it's not yeah. that you know I, I can't blame a parent because I'm a parent 
it's easy to miss. You have work, you have school, you have all these, you know, things going on, your own personal stresses. Right. So what what should be we be paying attention to? And I know there's a lot, but I sort of want you to, you know, yeah. get to the yeah, I think that, you know, um, overall, I think that it really, it really is going to be case by case for every child in every household. I think that overall with um, young people, it, you know, it could be an increase of like using substances, you know, like there are a lot of young people that are vaping that are, you know, doing a lot of these activities and a lot of people are like, oh, it's normal. And I think all of these things are becoming more normalized. But I think that a lot of us, all of us use these kinds of things as some kind of coping mechanism. And so that can definitely be a really big sign, especially for young people, especially because it's illegal for them to participate in these things. Well, um, yeah. And I, and, I, and I do want to mention, because I think it's important, whether it's the adult or the, you know, or the teenager, cannabis is legal now. Right. So I think it adds... Uh, a level of complexity, Correct. but I think maybe even overusing cannabis can be a red flag. I think. Absolutely. Yes. Overusing, overusing any substances is definitely a red flag um, because there is, um, you know, a way that we cope with things that sometimes, you know, having a drink or like, you know, smoking something or like, you know, sometimes these things are really just coping strategies and, and they come to, they're, they're like kind of like a normal place. But when we are doing excessive things, like we're staying in bed all day watching Netflix, you know, and like, I get that if that happens once in a while and you have these like little spurts, but if this is happening over an extended period of time, if you're noticing that it's days or weeks, they're not keeping up with their hygiene, you know, they're not wanting to take a shower when they're supposed to be. That's a, that's a big one. Um, lack of hygiene is a big sign of depression. Um, just like, you know, basic taking care of yourself, brushing your teeth, things like that. Um, staying, you know, staying isolated, you know, I think um, isolation for teenagers and young people is very common in kind of showing their, you know, their kind of feeling of, of being alone and not being part of something. And I, I saw this as I was um, initially a, you know, working as an intern and um, gaining my, my clinical license, I worked in the home with families, with young kids and their families. Oh my gosh, some of the hardest work I've ever done. I gained a lot of stripes in that work. I did that for about four or five years. Um, I did some of it in Louisiana, which was interesting. And then I did some of it um, in New Jersey. And I noticed just how sick these young people were also because of how sick I saw their parents you know, um, just their own emotional health struggles, their own mental health struggles, and not being able to tend to it, right? Like not having the privilege or the time or the money or whatever it is. Resources, yeah. Resources, absolutely. Um, and so that's why I ended up developing like classes and courses and groups to help women because I was like, well, women are a whole community onto themselves. You know, whether you're a mother, an auntie, you're taking care of elderly parents, your grandparents, like women are, my coach says, a full circle, a whole circle and um, a community unto themselves. And so I developed um, 
some education materials because I realized a lot of us struggle just because basic basic education about ourselves, right? And creating group and support around that education was really helpful for women. It decreased their anxiety. I've, I've studied this. I've been doing my own research, decreasing their depression, depressive symptoms. And, you know, I, I saw how powerful parents were impacting their children. You know, like children want to see their parents happy. And there's not a lot of parents that are happy right now. You know, like they're, they're really struggling and having a hard time and just having your parent going through depression or having a hard time can be hard on a child because they, you know, you're like their superhero, you know, they, they want to see you soaring and, and excited about life and happy. And a lot of times parents give a lot of attention and energy to the negativity because that's how our brains are wired. You know, we're making sure that we're like fighting threat and that we're safe, but we don't give that same energy to celebrate. We don't give that same energy to on, onto the positive side. And so well, we're always on to the next thing. It, it's like you can't enjoy that moment, that joy. A hundred percent. I always say, make it juicy, make it juicy. Listen, <laughs> make it juicy. I'm like anything that feels good, even if it's a little crack, make it a big crack. You know, like I always tell people, if you have a moment of peace right now, just say, wow, I am in this peace right now. And I want it to last as long Grateful. as possible. Yes. Yes. Um, Being yeah. grateful for that and to just let it fester. Like just as much as we, you know, fester in the, in the worry and Problem. the anger, right? Cause we're like, we got to solve this. We can also fester in that positivity. And that's actually a lot about how we learn to rewire our brain to be able to train ourselves to be in, in a more, emotionally vibrant and excited and happy place, we have to train ourselves to be there as much as possible. And so what happens with our children is that they see us giving a lot of that energy to the problems and the problem solving and the things. And they're really, you know, they're, you know, just spiritually, energetically, so, you know, en enlivened by life and have a different, you know, connection to things. And we don't tap into that enough with them. So, you know, I think that um, when you see them kind of like losing that light, you know, losing that spark and, and really kind of coming in, that is really not like, that's really not how children are, you know? They're usually here to bring, they're like the spiritual energy. They're like this like excitement, they're enamored, you know, they're curious, they're playful. And a lot of us are trained and conditioned to kind of dim that and shut that down. Um, mostly because we're going through difficult things too. It's never like we want that for our children, right? But that's, those are the signs that you can really see where children are not, you know, in their highest vibration because they are a high vibration. They usually are. That's what they're oh, here to do. I felt that. That is so true. I've always believed that. So you mentioned something really, I think, important. You've mentioned a lot of important things. But as a Latina, you know, I think in, in Latino, in Black and brown communities, I think there's been so much trauma that we've just carried on from generation to generation. And there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of sadness, which is you're seeing a lot of that today. Absolutely. And I think it's because it's been passed on. So, you know. One of the things that I, I want to sort of get into is, um, in addition to all that pain, we now have had a pandemic, 
which I think just added another layer of crap to the, the complexities that we're dealing with. So how do you know, because we've been almost conditioned to all this pain and just, you know, I got this, I, I got this, I'm strong. I'll, you know, I, I can handle anything that comes my way. So since we've been doing this, you know, over generations, how do you know when it's time to go to therapy? How do you know when it's time to get help? I think that's really important to sort of explore. Absolutely. Um, I always say, you know, you don't know what you don't know, you know, and this is the hardest thing, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And um, sometimes we need mirrors to show us and share with us, you know, some of their like concerns. I think that um, usually when you're in that place, a few people have mentioned something to you, right? Like, like loved ones, folks that are like close to you. You know what? I think that you might need to talk to somebody or I'm thinking that, you know, have you considered therapy? Have you considered getting some kind of support and help? Um, and so I think that usually someone has mentioned to you more than once that you should be looking for some kind of support. And so I think that that's um, a really good sign. I think that would be number one, because most people who are in this kind of like burnt out space, they can't even like think straight. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not in the place to have the awareness um, or the clarity even to understand that they're, they're needing that kind of help. So I would say that would be number one. Obviously, number two would be if you just can't get things done that you've always gotten done you know like some people will start to complain oh i'm you know i'm not able to move in the ways that i wanted to i'm not able to and and i think a lot of this i think about like the elderly too you know when they're like in a transitional period we don't honor transitions in our society you know there's there's so many transitions and rites of passage that have to happen in a person's like lifespan. And we just kind of bulldoze past everything. And I think that oh, that- well, We avoid it as long as we can. <laughs> right, causes mental health issues because like yeah. we're not honoring the process of our life and, and honoring these kinds of like new stages and new phases. Um, and again, you know, maybe it is coming from an avoidance place. But, you know, I think in the, an example that sticks out to me is like if an elderly person, you know, was used to doing so many things, right? They're so high spirited and that spirit doesn't go away, but your body starts to break down and that can cause some, you know, some mental health issues for you because you're like, damn, I used to be able to do this. Now you're going to be depressed because you can't do those things anymore. And so you don't necessarily have to go to therapy to like, you know, to have, you know, to get work, to get support for that but you can have an acknowledgement, right? Of like, I'm in this new transition in my life and I wanna be able to have this kind of like, maybe like a ceremony or like a, 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 like a, some kind of, of, of activity or event with my family to like sit here and say, okay, this is like a new stage of my life and I can surrender to this and feel good about this. Um, but that's, I think some of the things that pop up to me when I think people, you know, are getting to this kind of like, burnt out stage um if you can't get things done that you used to do and if a few people have been telling you the same thing about getting support That's you fine. should be getting support 
Um, and another thing too, I think that a lot of people get stuck on the idea of getting therapy. Like mental health support is not just therapy. You can get coaches, you can have a fitness trainer, you can have, I always say that you need a, uh, I always call it the emotional health squad. You need a health squad of people. And that can be, you know, doctors, life coach, life coach, acupuncturist, um, um, just, you know, people who are uh, experts in their fields. Um, I have a, a like a hypnosis uh, expert that I work with. Um, it could be a therapist, but there are a lot of people that are doing like specific kind of programs that don't necessarily like require that you have to go to therapy. Therapy can be a part of your squad, but it doesn't have to be the end all be all. So like for some people who are not comfortable with the word therapy, like you said, stigma, there are like nervous system coaches that are literally helping people like, wow, I didn't know that actually. <laughs> yes. Like regulate their nervous system and they can work with like a certified like coach to do that. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I swear by therapy. I love therapy. I think it's I'm the so number one cathartic. <laughs> I'm the number one advocate, but and you know, I, I do think that sometimes that could be like a doorway, you know? Um, well, and I think, and I think, the, and the, and I definitely want to make sure that I ask you this because, you know, therapy. So I've had this conversation with people, and the first thing they say is, "Well, they don't do anything; they just sit there and listen." Now, I believe that therapy—the relationship between you and your therapist—that alone, there's got to be a connection. There's that's a relationship. Yes. And I think you just like any other relationship, you have to find the right person for you Absolutely. because not everyone is a match. True or not? Absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent. So when looking for a therapist, what would you or or let's let's say you called it uh, whether it's a therapist or a coach, a life, what whatever. Right. Whatever, <laughs> whatever support, whatever, whatever support. support, support when you're looking for support. What are three main things that, um, let's say if a listener is thinking about maybe finding support, what are the three things to consider when you're looking for that person? I think that it is ideal to find someone that you feel can relate to you. I think that it's ideal in terms of culture, how you look. Um, I personally think that most practitioners should be um, understanding trauma to a certain extent. So a trauma-informed uh, support or therapist, I think is really important. Trauma-informed trauma coaches are extremely important. So if you can speak with them about their training or their understanding of trauma, and that's something that can be like a cornerstone of your work with them, I think that could be really, really helpful. I don't think that you can't have an effective therapist that doesn't look like you. I do believe that there are many therapists that, you know, have a different background of you or culture from you and can still be absolutely effective and amazing at build, helping you build trust with someone else, um, and helping you gain tools, right? Yep, absolutely. And I've had both a Latina therapist, and I've had a Caucasian therapist, a white okay. therapist. Okay. Now that therapist, she literally, I always say this, she saves my life. Now, to her credit, 
she studied Dominican culture. She worked in Washington Heights. She learned about the culture. So she understood what I was going through, what my relationships were like with family, with, you know, with it, it, romantic relationships, because she had studied all the different dynamics that happen and, and even the trauma that happens in our culture wow. so That's yeah great. so that made a huge difference like you said you have to go to someone that i i think not necessarily that looks like you but yep. that understands a hundred percent so yes. i think definitely i'm glad that you mentioned that absolutely absolutely i've seen all kinds of therapists from all kinds of walks of life and background that are amazing and effective and knowledgeable and compassionate um, so I would never knock, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, just judge a book by its cover and say, oh, you're not going to get me. Um, I think that the second thing kind of goes along with that, where, you know, you have to understand that you're interviewing this person as well, right? Like you're paying this person, this person is like working for you. So I think it's important to, you know, do your best to go into that kind of like first consultation knowing a little bit about what your goals are and what it is that you want to do because a really good therapist is going to refer you to the right place so if you're not if they're not the person that has the expertise or the theory or the methodology that's going to help you they're going to guide you in the right direction and they're going to put you in the right path um and also sense into this relationship like it's a fine line between like your resistance and like you wanting to get help. So like a lot of times we go to therapists like, oh, I didn't like how she breathed, you know, like I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna get out of here and I'm gonna go, I'm never doing therapy again. So you wanna really question your resistance if you do have that come up with a therapist, like, okay, do you really think that this person can help you? Are you like a little bit nervous about this? Are you feeling like, you know, this is absolutely a no go. You're feeling it like in your gut and your intuition. Like, yeah, I'm just not vibing with this person. I think it's really important to, if you have any resistance with any first time, you know, therapy session that you question it a little bit because many of us, if not all of us have some level of resistance to healing. The nervous system is used to its pattern, right? And if that pattern is a specific kind of like traumatic response, right? going towards healing is going to jack us up going wow. towards healing is going to feel uncomfortable it's going to get us out of our regular pattern and response and so we have to also understand that too that we have to kind of be a little bit open to that discomfort if that presents itself when you're meeting like your new therapist um and i think that's what i try to educate people around a lot because you might have some resistance. I think everyone has some kind of level of resistance to being vulnerable with like a whole new person that you don't know. And so allow yourself to question yourself a little bit. Allow yourself to observe yourself in that and say, okay, do I feel like this person can help me? I kind of do think that they could help me. Am I feeling a little anxious about it? Yeah, definitely. But I do want to kind of try this out. I always say have a couple sessions, at least like, you know, maybe a month of sessions before you really decide, like, I'm going to be done with this person. Um, because I do think that we have a lot more resistance in us than we than we know. Interesting. Um, I had I, I mean, I, I do a lot, you know, I read a lot, yeah. but I had never heard that before. 
and I, and I, I don't know, I guess just naturally my inclination is I want to heal. I want to get better. So I never thought, oh, well, there's part of me that is resisting that healing. I guess that's also our sort of defense mechanism. We don't want to be exposed, right? That makes sense. hundred percent. That makes a lot of sense. There are parts of you, right, that. that are protecting you. Like there yeah. are parts within you that have been built up to protect you. So they're going to be a little bit like side eye about anything wow. that's going to move. You I just like my my literally like my brain just like my mind just opened up. I'm like, what? I never yeah. thought. I really never thought that. Yeah, I never thought about is, it. This is, I think, just my experience. You know, being a therapist and like seeing people's process and like how you know how they struggle with themselves. You know. Um, I think the last thing, which I think is also really important, and a lot of people, I think, I don't know how comfortable they feel doing this, but really, you know, again, it goes kind of alongside the interview process of the therapist, like really checking in with the therapist, like, you know, what are your self-care modalities? Like, how do you take care of yourself? Oh, wait, wait, no, wait a minute, because that is my last question for you. Yes, yes. (laughs) I'm taking, I'm taking your question. I love that. (laughs) I'm taking your question. So you're saying this is actually a question that that you should potentially ask? Absolutely. You can ask that. Absolutely. You you know, I I have, you know, I think that it's I love when clients, you know, really want to. They're being very proactive and very like involved, right, and engaged in their healing. If I go to a therapist and I have a therapist and I know they have 70 clients that they see people, you know, 50 times a week or whatever the case is versus a therapist that has maybe like 20, you know, people that they see or whatever, then I'm going to kind of have an idea of like how busy they are, you know, how accessible are you going to be if something happens or I need to change my appointment. Um, what are some of the things that you do to take care of yourself, you know, because I do think that for many for a really long time no one's really challenged or talks to therapists about our self-care. I think we're told to have self-care and we're like 100% like told to have self-care. But in terms of actually implementing that, like even in our in our trainings and in our schooling, um, it's not really like at the forefront. It's not really a priority. So like you as a practitioner have to have to build your boundaries and your health yourself. Like whether you're in private practice or you're doing community work or you work in a group practice or a hospital or whatever the case is, um, you are building your self-care. And I think it's really interesting going back to what you said about someone saying, oh, they just listen to people, right? Like they just, they, that's just all they do. There is an energetic exchange that happens. And this is what I talk about with my students who are social work students going towards licensure. This is not a regular nine to five job. You are not going in, clocking in, listening to people. This is an energetic exchange. You are getting dumped on all of the traumas, the emotions, all of the things. You are walking away from that with all of this stuff. I always say this to my students. We are in the business of releasing. We have to be in the business of releasing. When you get out of your sessions, what are you doing to decompress? You can have visualization, having sessions where you're, you know, imagining all of the things that the person is telling you going into the flame of the fire, right? Like there's a lot of things that we have to understand and put to practice that, again, taps into my like spiritual side and this area of energy. 
that we are doing so much in this field, so much that we don't talk about. And so it is so important for us to have self-care and take that up to the utmost seriousness. So when a client asks me, how am I taking care of myself? You well, bet. that is one of my questions. So 100%. What, what do you do to take care of yourself? Because oh my goodness. <laughs> This is my this is my favorite thing. This is my favorite thing to talk about. This is my favorite thing to talk about because as a therapist, I always talk about having your holistic health squad. And what I mean by that is, do you have places where you're tending to your mind, you're tending to your body, you're tending to your spirit, right? And I personally, I have a therapist. I actually I'm an EMDR specialized therapist. That's a whole specific like brain rewiring technique. <laughs> yep, that's a that's a specific technique. I also have a therapist that I see as well. I have um, an EFT. So it stands for emotional freedom technique, which is something that looks like tapping on the meridian points. This allows you to release and process emotion. So I have a specialist that works with me on that. I have a life coach. Um, she uh, specializes in just like whole life systems and also in my business. So she works with women who want to have that like family life and family home life, but also wants to have her own business and be a girl boss. So she's amazing. Um, I also have a, a community of Bomba y Plena, which is a Puerto Rican folk music. And we play music, we play drums. That is like- That alone is therapeutic. It's so therapeutic, like playing the drums is such an amazing thing for the nervous system. Dance is an amazing movement to really like it. It heals so much like dance in itself is therapy, period. So um, any way that you can incorporate that in your life is so healing. So the, the Bomba y Plena is a really big dance and drumming is a really big part of my life. Um, I also have a detox specialist so this is kind of like i'm in this in this area of like really understanding my nutrition in a new way and so like that's a big part of what i've been exploring but i go through phases right i didn't always have these particular people in place i also work out i have like a fitness coach but these things like ebb and flow so i you know i there are seasons right where like i focus on nutrition and i focus on my tapping and there are seasons where I have my life coach and I focus on my fitness, right? Because we also are um, organic, you know, beings and like, we're not meant to be like robots and do all the things all the time. You know, my coach always says, you can do all the things, but not all at once. Yes. So <laughs> it's okay to have your squad and tap into them during different seasons when it feels right for you. You know, sometimes you don't have to be on that heavy healing work. You could just be. This season, I just want to be. I just want to be at the beach. I just want to chill with my friends. I want to, like, you know, spoil myself, eat the way that I want to eat, do whatever I want to do. And so there are opportunities to kind of ebb and flow with our healing work. And so I'm big, like, on my support squad because, girl, I don't know what I would do if I did not have all of these people in my corner. Um, and then obviously your family is a support, right? Like really understanding boundaries with certain, you know, folks in your life. The and family can be friends, like your community, your village. Absolutely. Absolutely. Family and your friends can be your, the relationships that you choose 
to keep around that support you. Um, and that's really important. You know, I think that's um, all of those things feed me and I take it very seriously and I'm very big. I don't have a really big caseload. I know that that's not a popular thing for therapists. Therapists hearing this are going to be like, but I, for me personally, I know myself. So I honor myself. There are other people who can take on that kind of energetic load more. And I commend them for that. I think that's amazing. But for me, I like to have a small caseload and work with them very intensely and very um, um, intentionally kind of like zooming really into them. And so that's how I work. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. So I love to end our interviews. Yes with a message for our listeners. And, and there's just been so much information that you've been gracious enough to share. We're going to have to have you back because we haven't yes. even gotten, we That's haven't a even whole gotten series. a whole series of that, a whole series. I love this. So <laughs> there's, you know, there's so much going on in the world and I actually stopped watching news. I, I used to watch a news cycle, literally like almost 24 hours um, or at least my waking hours. And there's so many people that are suffering in silence. There's so much mental illness out there. And I just want you to share a piece of advice for anyone who is struggling in their life right now in silence, because I think there's a lot of people out there who are and are not just, they're not saying anything or they can't get the support they need. What would you say to those people? I will say that and this is in from personal experience and experience with my clients. The moment, literally, that you decide that you want to heal something, anything, that you want to feel better, that you want to move in that direction, every single cell in your body becomes in cahoots with you. Every single cell starts to be like, oh, we doing this? Okay. Listen, you know, mama said we're going in this direction and it starts to move in that direction. And that is so important for us to remember that we are the leaders and the creators of our life. The minute that we want to heal, everything in the universe starts to move in that direction, including every cell in your body. It is way every cell in your body is looking to you for your next move. It's looking to you. What are we going to do today? Are we moving towards health or are we moving towards harming ourselves and they're going to follow you. So you can just decide that. You could just say today I'm starting over. I want everything to move in the direction of health for me, even if it's slow and even if it's steady and you will already begin that process. That is so, so true. Oh my gosh. We can get into a whole conversation about that. Yes. but. Before, I don't want to let you go without you sharing with everyone, how can they find you, any workshops you're doing, any resources that we can share with everyone? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I have so many resources. So my um, Instagram handle is at Medicine Within, and my website is thecreativetherapist.org, O-R-G. So... 
I'm open to helping people with anything. If they're needing a therapist or looking for guidance, they can always tap into my email and they'll, they'll be able to access it through my, through my website. My email is also thecreativetherapist at gmail.com. So if they have any general questions, they can send that to me. I can be found also on my Instagram handle doing some women's wellness groups. So I'm doing this kind of series of just helping women connect holistically to their emotional health. And this is an open group to anyone who wants to kind of pop in or pop out. Space is limited because, you know, it's an intimate space, but anybody can join, any woman 18 plus, um, and they can get that link on my uh, Instagram handle as well, or they can just email me for the Zoom link. It's all virtual, so people can, you know, tap in from wherever they are. And I'm going to probably be doing these throughout the summer. I might continue doing them, but I'm doing them weekly on Mondays at nine o'clock right now. Um, and also, you know, you can stay tuned because I'm going to be starting an emotional health 101 course in the fall, which I'm really excited about. And this is kind oh, of like a process. It's a program to help you kind of like step by step work towards emotional health, really get the education that you need, give you practical tools in the form of a class, but also with peers and getting support throughout that process. Yeah. So it's kind of like, um, like a semester course. We're going to, we're going to just share stuff. Yes, I am. I am. But I love it all. I love it all so much. Um, and so, yeah, so we're doing that. We're going to be offering some, some really cool stuff starting in the fall, but really just offering some, you know, these groups, these wellness groups are pay what you can. So it's accessible to anybody right now. Oh, thank you. Thank you for mentioning that because as we know, it's times are tough right now. I but know. That's why I wanted to, to offer that. hundred percent. Oh, that's, that's amazing. We have to make sure we put that in the show notes. Yes. Veronica, yes. thank you so, so much for being here today. We are going to have you back for sure, because you know, I love talking about relationships and that will be our part two. I'm excited about that. Yay! Yes. Yes. Thank yes. you. Thank you so Thank much. You so and much. we'll be we'll be in contact. I'm so honored for this. I appreciate you so much for sharing this information with the community, with the people. Thank you so much, Yvette. I'm excited to be back too. <laughs> and thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the AW Confidential Podcast. Talk to you soon. <laughs>